That is just one of the most beautiful songs ever written. Uh, thank you, Kelly. Uh, how appropriate today. Good morning, everyone. Grace and peace to you. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, it is good to be in the house of the Lord this Sunday. Uh, as Pastor Christina mentioned, uh, wasn't sure that we would be earlier in the week, as we saw on storm predictions and such, but um, we, uh, we certainly missed the, the worst of it. Um, but we're ever mindful of those um, who didn't dodge that bullet, um, those in the Bahamas, those in the Outer Banks who are really struggling uh, this morning. And as, uh, again, Pastor Christina mentioned, those that are still struggling in other ways from um, previous storms. So, um, but I, I suspect everybody's got a story around this storm. Uh, there was something that you had to do differently because of this, um, something that you had to um, do that was out of your routine perhaps this week, um, something that, uh, that you didn't like. And I suspect maybe if you think about it hard enough, there may be something that came from this storm that may have even been a blessing. I certainly did not like moving all of uh, the furniture. It was inconvenient. All the stuff that's downstairs had to be moved up, but I appreciated time with my family that I probably wouldn't have had otherwise. And we played a lot of skip bow and uno and, uh, um, and got to hang out together. Um, so anyway... I just want to take a couple of minutes um, before we get started with the sermon and just invite you to share with each other what was the worst part and what was the best part about the storm this week for you? What was the worst part and what was the best part? Pick a partner. Let's share with one another. All right? Nothing was hurt. I suspect there are more stories to share. I'll, I'll uh, invite you to continue sharing those stories after the service. But um, we're going to pick up today in Exodus, um, way back in the Old Testament, in chapter 14, beginning in verse 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. The Israelites went into the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went into the sea after them, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and chariot drivers. At the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and cloud looked down upon the Egyptian army and threw the Egyptian army into panic. He clogged their chariot wheels so that they turned with difficulty. 
The Egyptians said, Let us flee from the Israelites, for the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, so that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and chariot drivers. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at dawn the sea returned to its normal depth. As the Egyptians fled before it, the Lord tossed the Egyptians into the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the chariot drivers. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea, not one of them remained. But the Israelites walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great work that the Lord did against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord and believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. O oh God, our help in ages past, Lord, you've been with us from the beginning, and you are with us again this week. Bless us as we move into the future, and may we hear what you would have to say to us today. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Last week, it seems, before the storm hit, everybody was getting ready. The grocery stores were packed. People were getting food and water and batteries and toilet paper and all the essentials. And if you were in a flood-prone area, you secured all your valuables. I already mentioned we have stuff on, uh, downstairs, and it, that tends to flood from time to time. So we move things up or we put things on cinder blocks, just hoping the water wouldn't, wouldn't come in high enough to bother I heard chainsaws running throughout the neighborhood as people were cutting down loose limbs. Uh, we gathered here early in the week to put up boards in front of the double doors out front to put down sandbags to keep water out. Of course, schools were canceled. Some people were forced to evacuate. And then what did everybody do? We hunkered down and we watched the Weather Channel or uh, your local news station, and you just waited and waited. Thinking back over my many messages over the last few years, I realized we've talked a lot about going through storms in our lives, about facing dangers and obstacles and trials and tribulations. We've talked about facing these storms and how we get through them. We get through them by leaning on God's strength and relying on our faith in troubled times. And I know this wasn't just a matter of semantics uh, this time, because all of us in here have been through some type of storm in our life. We've experienced them in different ways, heartache, brokenness, sickness and death, financial or marital problems, many, many storms that have threatened us over the years. But in our focus on getting through the storms, whether they be natural disasters like the one we just faced, or the storms of life, like I just described, the health problems, the work, the home, the school, the material, relational problems. I think sometimes we may have forgotten to consider what comes next. So now what? We've done a good job at preparing ourselves emotionally, physically, even spiritually to withstand the storms, but what do we do after the storm has passed? What do we do when we're standing in the aftermath of a disaster and a new day is dawning, morning has broken, the sun is shining, the birds are singing, and we realize we made it? 
Shoo! Right? What now? Well, this morning I want us to think for a moment about what God has done in our lives and where God wants to lead us. What should we do after the storm? Where should we go? Who should we become? We find the answer in the next chapter over from the one that I just read. In Exodus 15, as we read the response of the Israelites to God's dramatic rescue from the Egyptians at the shores of the Red Sea. Just to remind you of what God has done for the Israelites up to this point. You remember the Israelites had gone down into Egypt during a severe famine in the land of Canaan. And they prospered in Egypt, and they they multiplied in number, and this worried the Egyptians' leaders. They were worried that the Israelites would become too powerful, so they placed them in bondage and made them their slaves. And for 400 years, the Israelites lived as slaves to the Egyptians, serving them and building their temples. But God heard their cries and sent Moses to lead them out of Egypt. Well, you know the story. God sent plagues to get the Egyptians' attention. The water turned to blood. There were infestations of flies and frogs and hail rained down from the sky. And There was darkness and disease and pestilence. And finally, God struck down the firstborn males of all the Egyptians, even of the animals. And that's when Pharaoh said, all right, enough. And he relented and let the Israelites go. But... They hadn't gone very far when suddenly Pharaoh realized, wait a minute, I just lost my entire economy. And so he started chasing after the Israelites with his army, pinning them against the Red Sea with no way out. It was going to be a slaughter. But just as we read in Exodus 14, God part, what did you say? Swoosh, whooshed, whooshed the waters of the Red Sea. He made a way where there was no way. And he led the Israelites out of Egypt and destroyed the army of the Egyptians all at the same time. It's pretty dramatic. You may have seen the movie. Uh, The nation of Israel had faced a storm of biblical proportions and emerged on the other side of the Red Sea victorious. And what did they do as soon as they got to the other side? Exodus 15, verses 1 and 2. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he's hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. This passage reminds me of those commercials after the Super Bowl where some reporter goes and puts a microphone in, in front of the you know, the quarterback or one of the captains on the winning team and says, you just won the Super Bowl. What are you going to do next? And they say, we're going to Disney World, right? You know? But so Moses and the nation of Israel, God just led you through the Red Sea to defeat your enemies. What are you going to do now? We're going to sing to the Lord. And that's what they did. They sang and they danced and they praised God. It's like the lyrics to that song that Kelly sings so well. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. The Israelites sing because they're happy. They knew God in the past, but only in kind of an impersonal way. You know, like he's up there somewhere. But now they 
know God in a personal way. They know God as their savior and deliverer. They've seen God do a mighty work. They had faced the impossible and seen God make it possible. They had faced death itself and seen life. They'd been redeemed because of the hand of God. Salvation makes us sing. The Israelites were literally and physically saved by God. So they looked back at their deliverance and they praised God with all their hearts. As Judson Cornwall wrote, Worship helps us find who we are and why God has placed us on this earth. And when we bow in God's presence with worship, only then are we made complete. We will have only made it out of the storm when we pause and praise God. So let's go back to the Bible, okay? Again, I'm in Exodus 15, the very next chapter from the one I read earlier. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall upon them. By the power of your arm, they will be as still as a stone. Until your people pass by, O Lord, until the people you bought pass by. You'll bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance, the place, O Lord, you made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, your hands established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. You know, last week was crazy. I mean, we were filled with shock and sadness at the horrifying pictures that came out of the Bahamas. And as the storm approached our shores, many of us got really anxious as we started to wonder, is this hurricane going to be as bad as last year's hurricane? But tomorrow, when you go back to school or to work or to the golf course or the grocery store, or maybe if you come back here to church for a class or a meeting, what will life be like tomorrow? What will life be like? Will everything have returned to normal, just like we never experienced the storm in the first place? Will it be like it never happened? There's a principle called homeostasis. It means people like things to stay the same. Their goal is to always keep the same old, same old. They want things to be normal. I even talked about it last week when I talked about our remote control lives. It's kind of like um, pretty much every TV sitcom. You know, On almost every show you watch, the characters live in the same old, same old, the status quo. No matter what kind of crisis they go through in this week's episode, by the time the credits roll, things are back to normal, and at next week's episode, it's like nothing ever happened last week, right? Well, that's what we've learned to expect out of life. When we go through a storm, the best we hope for is a return to normalcy to the same old, same old. We long for the status quo where we feel comfortable. How many times, really, have you said to yourself, now if I could just get through this, things will finally get back to normal, right? But is that the right answer? I saw a motivational poster once that's always struck me as weird. It said, do ordinary things better than anyone else. And when I read it, I thought to myself, that is the stupidest advice I've ever seen in my life. 
be ordinary. Strive for mediocrity. Don't push yourself. Don't try to do something bigger than yourself. Don't try to do more. No, just be ordinary. Just be normal. Folks, as Christians, we're not supposed to be ordinary or normal. Peter wrote that we are a peculiar people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. We are citizens of heaven, resident aliens and strangers to this land called earth. And that means we're not supposed to be like everybody else. Our goal is not to be like the rest of the world. Our goal is to be like Christ and to live into his kingdom. That means we live beyond normal. We live beyond the natural to the supernatural. Beyond the ordinary to the extraordinary. And that means that when we pass through the storms of life, we don't go back to the old ways of before. No. We grow. And we go with Christ into the promised land. Look look at what happened in these verses. The Israelites have gone from praising God for what he's done and are started praising God for what he's going to do. Did you catch that? They're not looking at going back to the same old, same old. They're not wanting to go back to their former way of life. No, they're looking ahead. And their future together is going to be so different now. It's not about just getting through the storm. It's about moving on with God to the next place, to the next step, to the promised land. God's purpose and his mighty acts through Moses is not intended to simply free the Israelites from Egypt's grasp. No, it's to prepare them for a future together. Too often in the church, we focus on salvation as this means to an end. You know, in other words, once you've accepted Christ, you know, you're done. You know, I got my ticket punched, I got my get out of hell free card, and now, you know, heaven awaits. But Jesus didn't just die on the cross and rise from the dead three days later only to free you from your sins. No, he did all of this to free you for the future to lead you into abundant life, to be more and to do more than you were before you knew Jesus. It's the same with any storm that God brings us through. God wants us to do more than just weather the storm. He wants us to do more than go back to the same old, same old when he's done a mighty work in our lives. He wants us to go through the storm and gain experience from it, to gain faith from it so that we might help him transform the world around us. The focus isn't on just getting through the sea and out of Egypt. God didn't expect the Israelites to get on the other side and set up camp and live there for the rest of their lives. No, he had bigger plans for them. The promised land awaits. Thus, our focus after the storm should be, yes, on trusting in God's mighty power because of the miracle that he just performed, but also on trusting him on what he's going to do through you. Bob Deffenbaugh wrote, Israel came to know God in a greater way as a result of the trials and testings that they experienced in Egypt and in the wilderness. We too come to know God more intimately and more fully in the midst of the trials that he leads us through. And when we pass through those trials, we look to the future fulfillment of God's promises as even more certain, having experienced his faithfulness in the toughest times of our lives. In other words... Going through the storms makes us aware that nothing can hold us back when we walk with God. Our desire should not be for the same old, same old. 
but to march on to the promised land that lies ahead. The one thing we can see clearly in these verses is that the Israelites didn't just emerge from the sea free from Egyptian bondage. They emerged without fear. And the Bible tells us that perfect love casts out fear. And when you've walked with God through a frightening storm and you've emerged safe on the other side, well, from that point on, fear has lost its power. No matter what the Israelites face from this moment on, whether it's the chiefs of Edom or the leaders of Moab or the people of Canaan, whether it's the trials in the wilderness or persecution from their enemies, they're going to be able to look at the next storm of life and they can trust that God's going to be with them because he's already been with them. From this moment on, the Israelites are going to say to the storms of life, God parted the Red Sea. This is nothing. I think we need to get to that place in our lives where we trust in God for our future and know that our future is greater than anything we can even imagine. So look around this room, think about some of the stories that I know, and I wonder if you look back on your own life at the storms that you've been through, if you might be able to speak to your fears today. To be able to say, you know, hey, God led me through a divorce already. This little thing now is nothing compared to that. Or God led me through that surgery. This little bump in the road is nothing compared to a God who could lead me through that. Or God led me through that horrible, stressful time at work, so what do I have to fear now? No matter what your future holds, you can face it without fear because you stand on what God has done in the past. And you have faith that he will bring you through the next trial too. I want to leave you with this quote from Sir Ernest Shackleton who led an expedition to Antarctica in the early 1900s. After going through the trials and almost losing every single one of his men, he said, after today, nothing will be hard ever again. I think that quote sums up this passage. As the Israelites stood on the shores of the Red Sea and rejoiced and praised God for the victory that was and the victory that was to come, their hearts cried out, after today, nothing will be hard ever again. May we have that same assurance in the Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Pray with me. Oh Lord, as we look back on our lives, we remember Remember that you were there, that you have brought us through the storms in our lives. And now we're on the other side. And we can look back, give you thanks and praise. But it also gives us confidence for the next thing, or the thing that we're dealing with right now, to know you're not going to leave us. You'll lead us through this too. Lord, Help us to have that kind of confidence, to remember who you are, to remember that you are greater than the foes that we face. Lord, help us to be your hands and feet in this world, to reach out to those who were not as fortunate with this storm, 
But Lord, help us most especially to remember that we are your children, that you will protect us as you always have. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.